0: I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom yeah. Brady. You got a big dream board with like...
1: It's just got Tom Brady's Brady. head He's on the... it
0: and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller?
1: I would say never. Sure. I never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is... Locked in. Let's talk Bills. I'm Graham, and I'm back with Eric in the middle of the Bills' off season. How you doing, dude? Doing well, Graham. Thanks for asking. How about you? Doing well. It's been an exciting off season so far, and uh, we're gonna try to catch up today on. The schedule release since the last time we talked, we just kind of predicted what the schedule would look like, but now we know for sure. And we've got a little bit of rookie minicamp and OTA stuff that has been starting to filter through the news. So uh, some real Bills, well, I guess sort of Bills football to talk about.
0: I'm feeling a little bit kind of like I used to when I was a little kid where I'd scarf down all of my Halloween candy in like the first couple days following uh, Halloween and then I'd just jealously be looking at everybody else enjoying their candy who had paced themselves a little bit better than I did. It feels like we had such a crazy off season to begin with that now it's just like boring as hell and there's nothing going on.
1: Well around the league I guess that maybe suits your analogy that there's enough going on outside of the bills to keep you sort of entertained. But yeah, with the Bills, they just are, you know, steady. They've got their team. They're doing their thing. Not a whole lot of drama. A little bit of drama. There's a little bit of Bills drama, I guess. Mm
0: -hmm. Jordan Poyer. What's going on with that? Yeah, but I mean, is that drama yet? It's not really drama until training camp starts. And then we'll we'll see. Well, he is not at
1: the voluntary OTA session. They are voluntary. voluntary, Graham. It's voluntary. Which we will talk about, but... He's not there, and he's one of the few people who isn't there. So it's notable, I'd say, to mention that the one player with a public contract dispute isn't there while most of the team is.
0: Yeah. We shall talk about that, shouldn't we? Yeah, um, I think so. Besides the schedule release, I think you mentioned we're going to yeah be dropping a couple OTA nuggets, um, not just from... The Bills camp, but from around the league. And then we got to get to one of my favorite parts of the offseason, Graham. Oh,
1: I love this part of the offseason.
0: The rookie draft. Are we calling this, are, are we officially calling this like a, our dynasty team? Or is it just, I don't know, our year-to-year rookie draft?
1: This is our Buffalo Bills dynasty team, yeah, I would say. Yeah. Like a fantasy football league that is in the dynasty format. The only draft that happens every year is the rookie draft. So uh, Eric and I will go through the rules of how that works. Last year, we started this off with the rookie class of 2021. We've taken the rookies and divvied them up into my team and Eric's team. And we get uh, points based on how successful their careers are. I do think we should maybe add uh, a point system to this that accounts for future success a little bit more. Because right now, we don't have anything in the works for like when my guys are in the Hall of Fame, that sort of thing. I feel like I should get a bonus for that. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't be uh, counting your eggs just yet, Graham. Who would you pick last year? Fair
1: enough. Uh, Well, let's get into the... the, We can break down our whole rosters when it's time to do the new draft and and go through that um, because I do think it would be good to refresh the fans on who is on whose team. Right now, Trust it's simple enough. Too. I only I have five. You have five. We've only done this for one year. But after today, we'll have 10 apiece. So we'll get yeah. to check up on where our rookies from last year are at because not all of them are with I, the Bills still.
0: I very briefly listened to our podcast last season and our last offseason. And uh, I think the end goal we uh, mentioned was to eventually have just a full roster of rookies or you know, one-time rookies that we can look at for years to come and to have, have like for every single position like
1: my all-time rookie quarterback that I ever exactly. had and my all-time rookie left defensive end <laughs> right yeah Yeah. cool well we got yeah. some time so uh, we'll get to that I think uh, first let's start with the schedule though because the last time we talked we made some bets about what the sch- schedule would look like we really undershot How valued the bills are in the eyes of the national media, both by ESPN, um, Fox, NBC and the big networks and just by the NFL itself, because obviously the bills are like a big ticket,
0: a huge ticket. Sure, sure. And I mean, we definitely undersold them together uh, as a whole, but like I did take that into account that the bills were, I think, trending as the Super Bowl favorites at the time and all this other stuff when i made my guess for how many primetime games and even still that was way too low
1: yeah you so, guessed that they would yeah. play in four primetime games i guessed 3 i was being way too conservative i guess the bills are in six primetime games next year depending on how Same. you want to count primetime games because the thanksgiving game is at noon i don't know if that's primetime it probably is because it's a like a holiday game yeah, um, yeah. but yeah they're going to be on monday night football twice thursday night football twice uh sunday night football once and then they play on thanksgiving so they're gonna be in the primetime spotlight all the time and the cool thing i think for bills fans is that you know i don't know as a bills fan myself i prefer a one o'clock sunday home game
0: for my
1: situation that makes it easier for me to be able to be at the games and i just love that time slot that's what i'm used to being able to you know Get to the game in the morning, game's over at four, and then you got the rest of your day. Kind of it makes it makes it sort of a nice um experience for the fans. And when it's all on primetime, it disrupts your week and things like that. It's a little bit harder to get to for me because I'm not living in Western New York right now anyway. So for Bills fans, kind of the good news is although they're on primetime six times, only two of those are at home. So you're only losing two home games to primetime games and that's not so bad. It's fun to go to a primetime game once in a while. Yeah, Just speak
0: for yourself, bro. I'm not worried so much about the home and away games. I'm worried about the times. And for me, the one o'clock time on Sunday is perfect in general because it's seven o'clock for me over here in Germany. Right. And not an issue in terms of getting to watch the entire game. So these primetime games are really messing up my schedule. I'm gonna have to <laughs> either be up really late watching these or probably more likely just waking up the next morning, checking out the 15 minute highlight videos and then reading everything I can about these games. Yeah, well, I can see like the coaches film or something.
1: I mean, it's it's still exciting to see them be so respected and it's fun to see them in the national spotlight. And for me, living out of the market and you as well, it's cool now that other people notice the bills. You know, everybody yeah. is watching the Bills. It's not just me watching the Bills play the Bengals on Sunday at one while the rest of the country is like, we don't even care because the Patriots are on at eight. So we're just all going to watch that, you know,
0: kind of fun. Do you feel do you feel like uh, a little bit of a like a jaded fan these days where you're kind of like, oh, I liked this team before they were cool. And look at all these fair weather fans and stuff like that. I have or yet, yet to more encounter like the, more the merrier a,
1: I think I'm more in the more the merrier camp right now, but I haven't encountered yet. Anybody who is trying to convince me that they have always been a bills fan <laughs> and isn't, you know, yeah, like yeah. that's the kind of person who I'm not going to be able to tolerate Is someone who's like, yeah, I'm a bill, always been a bills fan. And everyone around them is like, what? We didn't even know. How have you always <laughs> been a bills fan? I haven't run into that yet. Huh. When I do what does that remind me of,
0: uh, Remember that year you started wearing that orange hat a whole lot, Graham?
1: Um, Was it like 2006?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what? This? No, yeah. I've always been a Texas Longhorns fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I bought that hat the season before
1: they won the Uh, national championship game.
0: Yeah.
1: You can check the timestamps on those Polaroids, my friend. That is not a bandwagon. That was me. That is the power of... Being in the national spotlight, by the way, because at that time I'm trying to like watch college football and the Longhorns were just on TV. Like that's true. I I was just we didn't have cable. So if I was going to watch football on Saturday, I was going to turn on the TV and whoever was on, that's what I was going to see. And so, you know, for two years, I just watched college football and Texas was on like every other week. So what am I going to do? Pick a team? I'm not going to pull for UB at the time. So the, the Longhorns, yes, the Longhorns are my my number two, I would say, college football rooting interest because I did get pretty hard into them in the Vince Young era. But I was a fan before they won that game against USC mm-hmm. in the 2000. Well, you're not Rose fooling Bowl. me
0: there, Graham, but I will say nobody can doubt your uh, Bills fandom. I mean, you've stuck through with this team through thick and thin. I myself, um, you know, refuse to root for what I consider to be mismanaged and badly coached teams. But, uh, you know, you've been through them. You've been with them through. Thicken I'm a Chan so Gailey good guy. Good on you. Thank you.
1: I'm a Chan Gailey guy. <laughs> What's that? Sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did like Chan Gailey.
1: Viewers will uh, notice that Eric found the soundboard again. So get ready. Excuse it's me. It's going to be painful.
0: <laughs> no.
1: uh, I do have to admit, for there are probably some people screaming at their uh, radios right now. There is an incriminating photo of me as a six-year-old wearing a dolphin's jacket at my
0: parents' house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but since then, I've,
1: I've been a Bills guy through and through.
0: Wasn't that hanging up in? Uh, was that in your parents' hallway or in the bathroom?
1: They've mounted it on the top of the toilet in the bathroom that guests use. So okay, and now it's there right now. Every
0: it's there. Yeah, it's still there. Oh, I'm gonna have to snap a pic of that. Like, Send so them over.
1: There are plenty anyway let's take a look at some of this schedule um some of the interesting points in the schedule one of the really cool things is that there was a rumor flying around that the bills might open the season on the thursday night game against the rams um for those of you who don't know typically the super bowl champion will host the first game of the season the following year it'll be on the thursday night week one and That's the Rams. So the Rams won the Super Bowl. They're going to host Thursday night. And the Rams are one of the Bills opponents this year in L.A. Sure enough, Bills it is. How do you like being the first game of
0: the season? Oh, I think it's awesome. I think that, like, with the Rams uh, being the defending champions and really not losing much from that Super Bowl roster, besides, of course, Vaughn Miller, um, it's really going to show, I think, the country if these Buffalo Bills are the real deal headed into the season, you know, and, and maybe hopefully starting off on a completely different foot than they did last season against the uh, Steelers.
1: Yeah, that was a disappointing way to start the year, and especially um, for you with your lock. Oh, yeah, we God went. Buff. I guaranteed they'd win it. I know I'm going to be a little more conservative this year, I think, with my guarantees when we get into that. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I love the Bills going to L.A week one, I think they'll win. Um, I think the Bills are better than the Rams, and I think that coming right out of the offseason, the Bills are another one of those teams that are very consistent. Obviously, yeah. the offensive coordinator situation is probably the biggest what-if, but as far as the Bills roster goes, I feel like they've really mostly just added and beefed up the, the roster. I think they're you know, just going to pick up where they left off. Um, and then they open the season at home Tennessee, Monday Night Football. Tennessee is not the Tennessee of last year, according to most people in the media, sort of thinking that Tennessee is on their way down. And I love this as the Bills' first home game. I think they're going to finally get their revenge, their primetime revenge
0: on the Titans. I am definitely glad that this game is earlier on in the season because I am, as always, worried about Derrick Henry's ability to just tear a defense apart. And I think. It's going to take a few weeks for Derrick Henry to really um, play himself back into form after coming off of a major injury last season. So better to have them earlier in the season when their biggest threat on offense is maybe still working himself into playing shape as opposed to later on in the season when he's like final form Derrick Henry. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but I think like logically to me, I might think if a running back is getting towards the end of their effectiveness in their career, which maybe Derrick Henry's not there yet, but that that tread has got to wear off at some point. You might rather have Derrick Henry at the beginning of the season when he's fresh from the off season and ready to go than you know worn down after a full season. I know that he typically is a dominant force at the end of the year and in playoff time, but I don't know if that's a pattern that's going to continue.
0: Well, I mean, I think in a normal case, sure, you want, as a running back, you want to be fresh. But who's to say he's even fresh coming off of that injury? You know, like he tried yeah. coming back in the playoffs, did not look like himself in that playoff game at all. And um, yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to really become the Derrick Henry that we're used to seeing once again. So,
1: And they did trade A.J. Brown to the Eagles, so they, they, they lost that, a, yeah. a big piece of their offense there uh i, I think, think that's
0: we'll see I, I could be eating my words i feel like that might be a little bit overrated though um aj brown is of course a great player uh no doubt about that but they brought in robert woods people kind of sleep on that and they brought in the closest thing to aj brown that you could find in this draft with uh treylon burks from arkansas so, sure.
1: But that's week two of the season. Like there's no way Traylon Burks is replacing the effectiveness of A.J. Brown in week two of his rookie year. It's going to take. No, but I think that.
0: Robert Woods and like, you know, uh, Traylon Burks, who might do half of what A.J. Brown is able to do is better than A.J. Brown by himself with the mummy of Julio Jones on the other side of the field. Yeah, remember that? that could be the Julio Jones experiment. Oof. I do what a waste yeah. of a second round pick. Yeah, What? where is he now? I believe he's still unsigned. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, do you want to go through the entire schedule? Like I think that the
1: primetime right games now. are interesting. Okay, prime time. All right, yeah. Um, because we start with two primetime games. And then you're going to get Sunday night football at home in week eight against the Packers, which I think you called this as like one of the guaranteed Bills primetime games because the Bills schedule isn't that interesting, which is strange because, you know, for those of you who are familiar with how a schedule is built, if you win your division, your schedule is structured so that you are now playing against division winners for the other teams in your conference. Um, And I guess the Tennessee part of that is what makes this seem a little weaker because Tennessee Mm -hmm. just doesn't seem like a division winner right now. Um, And then the AFC East plays the NFC North, which is a a weak division other than the Packers. So Bills Packers, Sunday night football, Ralph Wilson Stadium. That's going to be an awesome game to be at too.
0: Definitely. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can't have the the Packers on the schedule and not try to put two of the best quarterbacks in the league against each other on primetime. It's just a no-brainer.
1: Yeah. It's pretty cool to see Green Bay and Buffalo be so marketable as a sports team right now, because those are not big cities. You know, like, those are two. Everyone would agree. Yep, Green Bay, Buffalo, those got to be on primetime, and they're not huge cities that typically draw a lot of viewers. So, pretty cool. Um, We'll have a Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions. Bill's been on Thanksgiving a lot lately. Dispatched of the cowboys two years ago and a great like a hallmark josh allen game um and then last year pretty much wiped the floor with the saints this year i think that thanksgiving game is like noon that's a pretty early one if i remember the yeah, timing noon for that. 30 so that'll be awesome to be able to you know watch the bills see them destroy the the lions on national television and then you can kind
0: of get into eating your dinner and having a good day that'll be fun I don't um, know, man. I, I wouldn't sleep on the Lions either. I think they're a little bit plucky this season. We'll see. Can we
1: uh, turn that into a soundbite for you moving forward? <laughs> don't sleep on the Lions. They're plucky. <laughs> yeah, they are. I'm a Chan Gailey okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then go. we get our annual primetime game against the Patriots which is just nostalgia for the media at this point. I don't think that that is a game that you really have to be concerned about. I'm not as worried about the Patriots this season as I am against the, or as I am about the Dolphins, but here we are playing them on Thursday night football in new England. So fine by me, let's go in there and embarrass them again.
0: This is, I don't know. This is like borderline alarming to me now with how, how, crazy the patriots offseason has been not crazy as in you know people getting arrested and all this turnover and stuff like that just like their weird draft to begin things um then that i think there's like five coaches on their staff right now what the hell are they doing they've got joe judge and matt patricia coaching up the offense apparently and they have not named a an offensive play caller this it's this is just stuff. the ego
1: of Bill Belichick.
0: He um, believes. Never mind. Never can mind. Do- I forget I said anything. I didn't mean to get you on a rant.
1: He believes he can do no wrong. Oh, God. It's the go. years of domination went to his head and he thinks it's him. And it's this emperor has no clothes thing where no one can tell him what you're doing is insane and stupid because he's got this reputation. So fine. Let it burn. Let the franchise burn and rot at the bottom of the league for 20 years. Love it.
0: That'll be a sound bite. Don't you (laughs) worry about that. (laughs) Uh,
1: Not a primetime game, but the Bills play the Bears on Christmas Eve. So that's a fun one to watch. You get to see that's an away game. So you don't give up a Christmas Eve um, to go to a home game, which is kind of nice, depending on how you feel about that. But it'll be fun to watch the, the Bills beat the Bears
0: on Christmas Eve, I think. Yeah, the Bears are one of the few teams that I just have like zero faith in being able to turn things around.
1: I yeah, and isn't it funny because like at the beginning of last year, they draft Justin Fields and you think like, ooh, this could be like a an exciting team. And you watch Justin Fields and he does some cool stuff. And I, I know in the offseason last year in the preseason, I, I was not high on him. I kind of thought this is like Tyrod Taylor. He's doing exciting things, but it's not projecting to me to be a quarterback who's super dangerous but fun you know build around him and make that be a fun thing and they just have not they've not done anything to help him they're just gonna let him fend for himself i guess um so not a lot of hope for the bears in my opinion (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and then uh oh go ahead you had a bears take
0: No, I I was just going to say I think that the whole Justin Fields thing is it looks already like textbook way to fail your first-round quarterback. Um, They hired a defensive-minded coach. They let a bunch of decent offensive linemen walk. Their number one receiving threat, Allen Robinson, um, also has left the building. So, yeah, it's not looking good for Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, I feel for the kid. And then, of course, Week 17, second to last week of the season, because the AFC East this year plays against the AFC North as well, we get the Steelers, Ravens, Browns, and Bengals at Cincinnati Monday Night Football. Two weeks left in the season.
0: That's going to be huge. That will be a great game, I think, especially at the end of the season like that. Um, you got to imagine, at the very least, the Bengals are going to be probably really still battling out for uh playoff position, uh, maybe even a playoff appearance at that point with such a competitive AFC North. So um, they're going to be fighting uh, for something.
1: I am not as high on the AFC North. Everybody I says, said, look no? at this gauntlet. I think the Steelers are... The bottom, they are in rebuilding mode, and good luck to them getting that consecutive winning record season thing to continue. There's no way that's happening. Uh, The Browns, it's all going to depend on what happens with the Deshaun Watson suspension, if there is one. And the Ravens, is it time to talk about the Ravens? Why not, Graham? Let's do it. I've been on record many, many times saying that Lamar Jackson will not end up receiving, signing, accepting a second contract from the Baltimore Ravens. It's not happening. He may be offered um, or he may be fifth year optioned, but there's no way the Ravens are going to offer him a contract and he's going to accept it. I was the crazy person in every circle of people talking about this for the past year and a half. And now everybody's walking back their criticism of me little by little. Yeah, yeah, I know you said that then, but things have changed. And now, no, no, no. I said it when it was crazy. And it's seeming less and less crazy because the most recent news going in this direction is that Lamar Jackson is like one of two quarterbacks not at voluntary OTAs in the NFL.
0: Yeah, yep. His recent quote, I guess it was... um... From something Chris Sims for PFT made a comment about, you know, Jackson, Lamar Jackson's trying to be Tom Brady, so he should be doing what Tom Brady does and go to OTAs. Correct. Lamar Jackson's response. I don't know if you saw this. Lamar wants to be Lamar, Chris. This part of OTAs is voluntary, my guy. I will be there, just not on your watch. It's probably other QBs not attending voluntary OTAs either, but since it's Lamar, it's a big deal. Find something else to talk about. Nice use of the third person there, bro.
1: Lamar's rebuttal, and I watched the media's coverage of this because the only reason I knew that this happened is I got one of those bleach report things that came across. It was like Lamar claps back or whatever. Lamar gives his take on why he's absent from OTAs, and he doesn't offer any explanation for why he's not there. There's no defense of his behavior at all in that. Literally, somebody said, hey, Lamar's not doing what every other quarterback in
0: the NFL is doing. And he said, worry about other things, bro. That was it. Just like the weirdest part about this and the thing that makes me most suspect that you have, you know, dabbled in some sort of black magic to make this prediction work for you is the fact that like the Ravens seem to be totally willing to go to the table with him and negotiate a huge extension like it doesn't, from, from everything that I'm reading, everything that I'm hearing, it doesn't seem like the Ra- the Ravens are that worried about him as a player and injuries or anything like that. They want to lock him up, but he refuses to go to the table with them. It's so weird. It's but so I, I weird. sort of
1: get that too. Like, I'm not a big Lamar fan. He is really fun to watch. But I don't know why he, he would want to, if he believes, I do not believe this, but if he believes that he really is an elite nfl quarterback who could thrive in a typical system passing the ball from the pocket making occasional big plays with his feet if he believes that's him why would he want to play for the ravens they aren't making any moves that suggest that they are going to go in that direction with their offense they just are basically saying we're going to just keep running the ball we're going to keep making you run the ball We're not going to add to your receiving weapons at all. Even when you get comfortable with a guy, we'll just trade him away. We'll draft somebody new. We're not at all concerned about turning this offense into anything other than what it's been for five years, which is
0: a 1960s style running offense. Because I feel like the Ravens offense completely transformed to fit Lamar Jackson's strengths. Like, I get it. He's a confident guy. Um, He's gotten to this part this point in his life by believing in himself so he obviously thinks that he can be successful in any any sort of system but like there's no better system for him than the one he's in right now in my opinion right and but that's I'm the not thing. buying that he stuff doesn't buy that that. they like i'm not buying that where they haven't done their best to put people around him to put weapons around him because they used in the last four years two first round picks on receivers and that like I mean, it didn't work out with Hollywood Brown because that guy's kind of just the one trick pony and can't catch the ball all the time. But uh, they took Rashad Bateman's la- Bateman last season and they're trying to give him dudes that he can throw to. So it's not like, oh yeah, you're a great runner. So that's literally the, literally the only thing we're going to do with you. No, I just think it's weird that like He's not talking to them, you know. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm getting too stressed out over this. <laughs> it's so weird to me that you made this prediction and it's working out the way it has already. It really bothers me.
1: I know it bothers you, but i I have a lot of faith in John Harbaugh. I think John Harbaugh knows what Lamar is, and Lamar doesn't. That's what I think. I think he knows the way to win with this guy is to run because he's so good at running and then surround him with the Mark Andrews of the world and some receiving threats that he can throw little dump off things to. But he is never going to be sitting in the pocket, reading the defense and throwing all over the field, no matter how you structure your defense. That is not the way he's going to be. Lamar thinks he is that. That's the biggest problem is that the two sides don't agree on what he is. So if you're the Ravens, the way you win with this guy is by doing what you think makes the most sense. But that guy doesn't believe in that. So there's Mm. a huge disconnect, and I just don't see it working out. Yeah, whatever. Let's move on. This bothers me. (laughs) So anyway, uh, the Bills will get to play the Ravens in week four in Baltimore. Very excited for that. It'll be an opportunity for the Bills to continue to dominate Lamar. Although Lamar did beat the Bills in Buffalo two seasons ago, uh, it was not the It wasn't because of Lamar Jackson playing impressively at quarterback. It was a pretty boring game, Um, very low scoring, one really long touchdown for what was his name at tight end? Not Mark Andrews. The other one Hayden Hurst. Yes, I think it was Hayden Hurst.
0: Oh, he was still with them at that time. Interesting. I think so. I can't remember. Um, Well, back to my original point, though, I, I do believe that this whole Lamar Jackson thing is really weird, but I don't see them dropping off much as, as a team when he does eventually come back and he will come back. So um, I think with the Bengals and the Ravens, clearly the front runners in that division, um, you know, weakening each other. I do believe that the Browns are a strong enough team overall, even with um, if it's the case where Jacoby Brissett is starting a bunch of games because Deshaun Watson is, um, some would say deservedly serving some sort of long-term suspension, I do think that they could be competitive still with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. And maybe just, even Baker Mayfield, if they, uh, <laughs> if they beg for forgiveness and come crawling back boy, to him. After, that's a whole uh,
1: nother thing. I don't think Baker's that would be one amazing. more game for the Browns. So
0: wherever he love ends up.
1: to see that. Yeah. Wild. But we'll there, there are a lot of crazy storylines right now in the league and the AFC is where a lot of them seem to be taking place. If you talk about the AFC North as a, as a wild division, we've said it before. The AFC West is out of control. Like whatever is going to happen out there, that's what I'm dialed into because that's the yeah. division where I think you could either have like all four of those teams make the playoffs or just through the war of attrition. Only one of them gets through and you have like two to three teams that should be playoff teams that don't get in. So yeah, It'll be a really exciting battle out there. The Bills are lucky to play in a division where the Jets aren't a threat, the Patriots aren't a threat, and the Dolphins are marginal. Who knows? Depends well, on 2 let's,
0: let's not totally discount. I know that I said the Patriots have had a weird, distressing offseason, but let's not totally discount them. They were a playoff team last season.
1: Mm, sort of. They were a playoff team that lost by, like, 30 <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy all right are we good on the schedule here we do have to do schedule predictions at some point where we'll run through and predict how we think the bills will fare with this schedule but um oh, that's yeah. a pretty good glossing over of the schedule yeah, and a we'll primer. yeah we'll predict the bill's schedule we'll also give record predictions for new england miami and the jets um, at some point here in the off season but i think that maybe we maybe should direct this conversation more towards the bills rookie minicamp
0: Mm. And OTAs from what we've seen so far.
1: And OTAs. So, my big thing for the OTAs was that Poyer's not there, and that's a little bit concerning to me. Um, but other than that, you know, just kind of hearing how the rookies have been performing and they're going up against some of the Bills' stars, it's exciting to see what the reporters are saying about the way that, uh, like, for example, Kyir Elam is going up against Diggs. It's fun to read the reports on how those are going. Um, what have been some of your big takeaways so far?
0: Um, I'm growing increasingly concerned about Marquez Stevenson. Mm. Like to me, it doesn't read well. I know from what I read, um, I think it was Joe Buscaglia, um, in the athletic, he wrote about, oh, Marquez Stevenson had a kind of hit and miss day today at camp. He ran a really good route and I was like, oh, cool. But he ran it against a rookie cornerback. So I don't know, like. To me, it's not as impressive if you are a second year player running against a rookie cornerback and not the highly drafted rookie cornerback, but the one that they got. um, I'm trying to think the in round six, it was Christian Benford Mm -hmm. and apparently he juked Christian Benford out of his socks on the route, got open and then just dropped the ball. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like so much of a hit-or-miss thing, it seems more like a miss overall if you don't do the one thing that actually counts in the whole movement, which is catch the ball.
1: The thing about Marquez Stevenson, though, that I think it's important to remember is I don't think he was ever drafted to be the replacement for Isaiah McKenzie or Cole Beasley. Uh, I think he's making the team if he can show that he can be a return man. Yeah, that's what that's about.
0: He didn't show a whole lot last season when he had the opportunity from what I remember. And I mean, yeah, it's a totally different thing, catching the ball in returns and catching the ball, uh, on a pass. But like, I don't know, man, his problem in general was, uh, muffing kicks and punts. Right. Didn't he have a a few issues with that last season? I
1: feel like I remember he had one and then he missed a game because of it. I can't say that I logged all of the return man stats for him, but, um, I remember being underwhelmed by everyone who returned kicks and punts for the Bills last year. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. But Shakir, or yeah, Shakir um, can apparently serve as a returner. So that's something to look out for, Khalil Shakir.
1: Yeah. And it was also um, interesting to read that Kair Elam is getting toasted by digs on some early routes, but then by some reports, you know, is seeing moves that he's never seen before at the college level and seeing the elusive nature of the way that Diggs can get open and find space. Like, how cool is it to be able to come out of college, get to rookie minicamp, and then you got to go up against Stefan Diggs. You're immediately thrown into it.
0: That's something that I feel like we underrate a lot when we look at like these rookie classes and stuff. I mean, I'm on record as saying Elam wouldn't have been my first choice. Uh, for cornerback prospects but he's in a position now where as you said he gets to go against one of the best route runners in the league and probably see things that other receivers in the league can only dream of doing mid-route right so if he's got to work against that and practice every day I know it's the typical cliche but uh iron sharpens iron you know
1: well not only that he's got Tredavious White to be able to help him through it too You know, he's he's he gets to go against the best and he gets to have the best on his side, explaining to him how things are done from his perspective as well. Like all of that is just going to make for uh, a pretty steep learning curve. But I think the, the opportunity is there for him to be ready to go early on in the season if he's already going against these guys that are pro bowl caliber players. Right. Right. I agree. And I think the other story on the defense to look out for is with poor Poyer not there, you know, is DeMar Hamlin potentially the option right now for, for safety because he's a, a rookie from last year out of pit. Um, is he the one that they're considering to maybe play safety or are they thinking that uh, Jaquan Johnson, a pick from a few years prior might be the option there in Poyer's absence? Um, I think that I read that in the media, it seems like Hamlin is sort of next in line. He didn't play yeah. a lot last year, but he did play a little bit in some of the later games that didn't matter as much when they pulled those safeties out. So, interesting to keep an eye on what the Bills' plans are because they did not draft anybody who was lift, listed as a safety. I know that Christian Benford it seems to some like he might be more of a safety type prospect. And then you got guys like Terrell Bernard, who's like a linebacker, but maybe could play safety. Um, but there isn't really a clear cut replacement for poor or Hyde anywhere on this roster.
0: Nope. Nope. Uh the only other thing that I um was interested reading about this is uh Boogie Basham. And apparently not just changing his number from ninety six to fifty five but also changing his body composition. I bit. did he read that. Like, yeah I thought that, that, that kind of worries me because he's he's yeah. one of yours. Oh, I thought that was a good thing. I don't know. Like, I would normally think it's a good thing if a dude looks like he's, I don't know, cleaned it up a bit and gotten more explosive. But I remember them saying the exact same thing about AJ Epinesa a couple seasons ago. And yeah, he the ended thing up about being a zero burger, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. It's it's tempting to write the book on Epinesa right now, but he's only going into year three, right? So you can't yet. But Epinesa made all of his sacks all of his production came from being powerful and then they drafted him and changed that about him i don't know if that was necessarily the case with boogie i think his edge rushing ability is impressive his but this gives him more of that edge this will add to his ability to speed rush and i I don't know if that was that he was a one-trick pony up the middle kind of a guy in
0: college Definitely not up the middle, but I mean, he was a tweener coming into the league. He was a power dude. Like, what is he? 6'3", 270 something or 280 maybe even. Um, He's certainly a power kind of rusher and it's nice to add explosion, but you don't want to lose, as you said with Epinesa, you don't want to lose the one thing that is allowing you to produce as well. So I'm worried He slims down a little bit too much. He doesn't have as much power, and he can't get it done. But we'll see. I mean, that's me just being a pessimist right now. I was excited
1: for him and for you because he was your first-round pick last year in the rookie draft, so I was thinking this is what he must have been thinking. He must have been thinking year one, he wouldn't really make much of a mark, but then his offseason going into year two would be outstanding, and then he'd be a force out on the field.
0: That's the goal. Swole is the goal. Um, do you want to get into the rookie draft, Graham? Sure. I'll kind of go through the uh, the rules Criteria. that we've got
1: here, the points that we give out for each um, each of the accolades that our players maybe acquire throughout their career. I think we should maybe add in some sort of bonus for Pro Bowls, um, Hall of Fames, things like that, because, you know, not yet, but it'll come.
0: Let's talk about that when these guys start retiring, huh? because then even then we still have about f- – five more years to worry about the Hall of Fame.
1: Okay, but we are in into year two now. Pro Bowls are not off the table. You're telling me if I get a guy who makes the Pro Bowl or is all pro or something like that, I shouldn't get some sort of bonus? Pro
0: Bowls, certainly. Pro Bowl, let's let's talk about adding that in right now.
1: Okay. Well, here are the points that we currently have in place. Um, We draft five rookies each year. We track their stats. When I say stats, I don't mean tackles and things like that. I mean, did they make the roster? That sort of a thing. So we're going to draft rookies. If they make the Bills 53-man rosters, 60 points for your team. If they don't make the Bills roster, but then some other team picks them up and they make their 53, that's a 20-point one-time bonus that you get instead. So still, they're on an NFL roster. You get some points there. Um, And then games played for the Bills every week that they play in a game for the Bills, 10 points. Every week that they play in a game for some other team, that's 5 points. Every game that they start for the Bills is 20 points. Every game that they start for some other team is 10 points. And then we've got a two point per week bonus if your player is just on the practice squad for the Bills, only for the Bills, no practice squad for other team points. And then a 15 point penalty per week if your player is suspended for any reason.
0: Mm. So, and I think that I remember saying that what's that? Character counts. Character I counts. we remember saying that last season.
1: That's right. And I believe that's a rule that Sean McDermott would be a fan of. So, And um, I believe you said the exact same thing last year. <laughs> well, I'll continue to repeat myself each season, probably. <laughs> so last right. season, uh, Eric, you picked first and surprised all of our fans by taking Bill's second round pick, Boogie him out of Wake Forest. Um, last season, let's see if I can get. Just a general summary of his stats. Uh, he did make the Bills' fifty-three man roster, and he played in <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games for the Bills last year. So he was your most productive player. The rest of your roster: Tommy Doyle, Rashad Wild Goose, Jack Anderson, and Nick McLeod. Mm-hmm. I would argue that of those four, Nick McLeod might be the most promising of the rest of your roster. Um,
0: Yeah, I I read some good things about McLeod from the uh, OTAs, but Doyle, you know, Doyle's been a somewhat reliable swing tackle. Yeah, I believe he also had a touchdown reception last season. We should not. Yeah, only member of
1: either of our teams to catch a touchdown so far, Tommy Doyle. Yeah. So um, you, you had a roster that is, you know, they're young, they're trying to find their you're trying to find their feet here and uh, you put up 400 I'm points trying to season. find
0: a team, I believe, but yeah,
1: that's true. Jack Anderson. I don't think on any team at this point. Um, and then Nick McLeod was cut by the bills, but he did end up making the Bengals 53 out of camp. Didn't play with them much over the season, but you did get that 20 point bonus for Nick McLeod. Um, I got to pick second and third because you picked first. I took Greg Rousseau. I felt that that was a steal. And then I took Spencer Brown with my third pick. Those two Pretty much played or started in every game all season. So I made my hay on Rousseau and Brown. I also have DeMar Hamlin, played in a lot of games for the Bills last year. And I have Marquez Stevenson, uh, played in some games later in the year, not so much early on. And Cyrus Tweetley, there is no uh, evidence yeah. that he is still in the league, trying to be in the league. I can't find Cyrus Tweetley online.
0: There's no data. He might on him. be an XFL guy now.
1: Really? I don't know. I'm just guessing. Maybe we should add in some points for making extraneous leagues. If they trickle down into the USFL or something, that's not a bad idea.
0: If they play in the elf, that should be actually a lot. Yeah. If they play in the elf, that's like more points than a pro bowl. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: that's where we're at right now. Um, Eric picked up 400 points last season. I have 1100 points from last season. Did very well in Greg Rousseau and Spencer Brown, but. This season we have to add in a new rookie class. So we've got the list of the rookies, the bills drafted. We've got the list of the bills um, undrafted rookie free agent signings and following rookie minicamp, I think it's time that we get into the draft and round out our rosters.
0: All right. So Graham, you have the first pick just as last season to uh, decide who was going to get the first pick in this draft. We are, Look to our friends at Sporkle, sporkle.com, not a sponsor. Uh, and we did a Buffalo Bills related test. Yeah, quiz. And we had six minutes to name 90 Buffalo Bills players that had led the team in various categories since the year 2010. So uh, I was able to write out 80 From 90 and Graham got 82. So he barely edged me out there. My most embarrassing uh, miss
1: was Marcel Darius led the team in sacks in 2011. I, I didn't come up with who led the team in sacks in 2011. So he's my most embarrassing.
0: I don't feel so embarrassed about any of my misses in general. I think, you know, some of these dudes were pretty much throwaway free agents for really bad or mediocre teams like Nick Barnett. Um, Corey Graham but I do feel bad about the fact that I misspelled Paul Puzzles last name like two or three different times before finally just giving up and trying to move on (laughs) did you say you forgot Scott Chandler or just it took you a while to get him I did forget Scott Chandler too that that is a crime I loved Scott Chandler yeah but he went to the Patriots that kind of I liked him a lot when he was with the Bills but that was kind of just what the hell man
1: that's true I yeah. forgot he went to the Patriots.
0: He did lead yep. the charge so, this year at one of the Bills
1: games. And uh, he that? did his Scott Chandler led the charge at one of the Bills games this year. I don't remember which one it might have been the playoff game actually against the Patriots. That could have been Whoa. so double trader. You haven't been to a Bills game in a while, probably, but they do always have some former Bill or somebody come lead the charge and wave the flag as they announce that the Bills are coming out of the tunnel. And he did the shout song to get the crowd pumped up. And then he did his famous snow shovel touchdown celebration from that game mm-hmm. when the blizzard fell on Buffalo and then he scored a touchdown. He acted like he was shoveling snow. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he did that, which that was nostalgic for me. I love Scott Chandler. He was cool. Anyway, so I get the first Keys pick in the people, draft.
0: what they want. Yeah,
1: it's a fan favorite. Uh, and it's tough for me to decide who I want to take from this rookie class. I'm definitely going to pick a Bills draft pick. I'm not going to dip into the undrafted rookie market yet, but there are a lot of options here. Like last year, yeah. they picked a lot of defensive players. So, you know, I would have taken Rousseau first overall, but you took Basham and there was reason to believe that he might be more effective early on than Rousseau. But the Bills first round pick is Kyrie Elam. And you got other guys that they picked who might make a more immediate impact and might be more flashy I don't think I want to get too cute. I think I'm going to take Kyer Elam with my first pick. Oh. So give
0: me the corner. Bro, you took me on a roller coaster of emotions there. I was thinking, is he not going to take Elam? Is he going to take <laughs> Elam? Nice. Uh, that leaves my pick, huh? You know what? Why not? I'll just take James Cook because I do hope that the trend – of you know rookie running backs making the quickest transition from college to the NFL holds true in this case, and that James Cook can be used as an effective scat back third down option, giving them yeah reliable receiving threat out of the backfield. So I'll take James Cook. With
1: my I definitely thought about taking James Cook one, but can I tell you what my gut says about James Cook? I think James Certainly Cook. Kind of is going to be a very effective rookie option for Josh Allen in his first and maybe second season, and that will be it. I think he will fade into NFL history Whoa, as a one-trick a pony here. who had Damn. a couple explosive years and is just one of those running backs who came in hot. and figured him out. That's what I think. Oh,
0: geez. Dude, those are, that's a hot take, bro. Second-round draft pick, you really think that Being kind of slipped up and is looking at this as kind of a hit it and quit it sort of guy. Yes.
1: I do think this is of the picks in the draft. This is one that is not at all him looking forward and trying to round out a robust future roster. This is a win now move of all the picks. That's what this is. It's a two years, make it happen, and then because I just don't see him developing into a between the tackles, four down type of guy.
0: But what do I know? Uh, anyway, you got another pick. I do. Um, you know what? I I know this guy was drafted later, but I really liked him as a prospect. I think he's got a lot of different ways he can contribute to this team. So I'm going to double dip on the offensive side and go with Khalil Shakir. Oh, here.
1: That's upsetting to
0: me. I was really hoping I could get my hands on Shakir yeah i thought about i mean obviously i thought about their third pick terrell bernard but he's just too injury prone for me you know like that scares me
1: it's tough because they they picked early and then there was sort of a gap right you get Tyre yeah. elam and james cook and then sure terrell bernard is a third round pick but he doesn't feel like i should be taking him early in this rookie draft right now but now yeah. we're into the fourth pick um and I really don't love their later picks in the draft. So I'm going to put off the inevitability of having to pick a guy who the Bills picked in the you know 7th, 6th round um, and might be a fringe roster player. And I'm going to get him while I can. Give me the punt god Matt Ariza because Damn he... He has as good a chance as anybody to make a team and be a punter in the NFL for the next eight years. So, yeah, uh,
0: fourth Dude, pick. Of the draft. I really thought about taking. I thought more about taking Ariza with my second pick than I thought about taking Bernard. Like, I want. I didn't want to bring up Ariza and make you think about him. But damn. Right. Yep.
1: If you had taken Ariza, I would have taken Shakir. I feel like that's just you know. It wouldn't be fair for one of us to get both of them. Um, and then just on you know draft pedigree, he's a third round pick. I'm going to have to take Trell Bernard. I really don't know what his future looks like in the NFL because he is kind of a tweener like we talked about. But clearly, mm. being a McDermott, see something in him to take him in the third round. Um, and my roster needs a linebacker. I don't have anybody. It's start, time to start thinking about who we've got. You know, I've, I don't have any linebackers on this roster, so...
0: Uh, give me Terrell Bernard. Okay, fair enough. Um, I do already have a couple cornerbacks from last season, but I'm going to go with Christian Benford here. I really liked his profile coming into the draft, um, similar, with, uh, similar to Khalil Shakir. I think he can do a lot of different things. So I'm going to go with Christian Benford here, despite the... Uh, Marquez Stevenson roasting that he received. But then you know what? Their last two draft picks, like Luke Tanetta, we read his profile out on this uh, podcast and it was not good. It was basically like he's big and he's a coach's son. Cool. <laughs> um, and then Balin Specter, I don't know. I'll take Balin Specter, actually. Yeah, I'm not going to overthink it. 7-3. I also do not have a uh, linebacker, so if only to have a linebacker, I will choose Bale inspector
1: all right. it's back to me and there's only one Bill's drafted rookie left on the board. It is Luke Tanuda. now he is enormous. so who knows? Maybe he's got the the mold that teams might hey, be coach able to size Graham. that's true. and i I can't say that there's anyone in the undrafted class that's screaming to me that I need two of these guys so I guess I'll go ahead and take Luke Tenuta offensive tackle (laughs) loser that gives my team I now have totally played you there I was (laughs) never gonna take him really you would have not taken a draft no I would not have actually really you've got that many wow that many uh, undrafted rookies that you actually like um so I get to pick again There's only one undrafted free agent who i really heard a lot about that I think might be potentially effective for some team in the future. He's not going to make the bills. But this tight end out of Texas A&M, Jalen Weidermeyer, had a lot of clout going into this final season, this college season, and then just kind of didn't do what a lot of teams thought he'd do in his draft year. But he's got a lot of the tools to be an effective NFL tight end. So... With my final pick, I'm gonna take tight end Jalen Weidermeyer. Yeah.
0: Damn it. Um dude, I from what I remember, he was talked about as like the top tight end prospect, I think, going into last college football season. Yeah. Um super high, highly recruited dude coming out of high school. And I believe he was also in the running for the big tight end award in college football, the John Mackey award, I think it is. And, you know, you're hearing all this stuff about him and then it came to the testing and he just bombed. Like, I think he ran a five second 40 yard dash jumped less than 30 inches on his vertical. So he like completely lacks explosion. Um, But in spite of all of that, he was still able to produce at a pretty high level in college, obviously. Um, And I don't know. I I think it could go certainly either way for him. But you're right. I don't think there's a chance he makes this roster. I do believe he could be a a valuable practice roster stash, but we shall see. Hey, man, he's
1: he's effective on the field,
0: you know? He's a great on the field performer. Yeah, but it's interesting about tight end. Bad test taker. It's it's interesting about tight ends, though, Graham, because they've kind of, it's sort of um, an accepted rule of thumb by now that tight ends that produce in the league, that end up blossoming into stars in the league, are generally dudes who did not produce in college and did not put up big stats in college but have all of the athletic tools they need. Like apparently tight end is one of the most poorly coached positions in college football. And you got to think of it a lot of the times. Yeah. These dudes are transitioning from other positions to play tight end. They're either like coming to school as a tight end and then being groomed into an offensive lineman. Cause they're just, they have a huge frame or they're a wide receiver who has played wide receiver their whole entire lives, and then they just outgrow that position in college. So with tight end, a lot of people are looking at the traits more than the production on the field. And if you're looking at that, then it doesn't look good for Jalen Weidermeyer.
1: Well, if he even makes a team's roster, I'll count it as a win because last year's final pick for me, Sears Tweetley gave me no points, mm-hmm. so I'm just looking for That's some true. production from my final pick. And that yeah, leaves yeah. you with the final pick of the 2022 rookie draft.
0: Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's relatively slim pickings here. I did see a very, very bold um, 53-man roster pr- prediction where they thought that this dude, what's his name? The running back from Virginia Tech, Raheem Blackshear. Blackshear. They projected Raheem Blackshear making the final roster over Zach Moss. Wow. But this brain trust has not shown a tendency to keep undrafted rookie free agents over guys that they have they themselves have brought into the building. So I don't see that happening at all. Um, I think just because he's sort of a local dude, had some production in college and stuff like that. I'm going to go with Kingsley. Jonathan.
1: Nice. I'm glad I was hoping someone would grab him.
0: Yeah, he's he's uh, from Syracuse, pretty productive at Syracuse. And from everything I read, he's like um good dude in the classroom and stuff like that and the community. So that's cool. I'll, I'll pick him and root for him. I'd say
1: very nice. All right, that rounds out the rosters. So just really quickly, you end up with James Cook, Khalil Shakir, Christian Benford, Balin Specter, and Kingsley Jonathan. And I end up with Kair Elam, Matt Ariza, Terrell Bernard, Luke Tenuta, and Jalen Weidermeyer.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So one of the things we need to address right now, Graham, is what the hell we are going to do about these dudes if they make a Pro Bowl. How many points is that?
1: It's got to be a ton of points for each Pro Bowl. I mean, we're giving... You said
0: 60 points for the roster.
1: That's a one-time bonus. That's the only, one, only other one-time bonus we've got on here. So, a Pro Bowl selection is a one-time bonus, but I'm thinking something like 300 points. Whoa, no.
0: I wouldn't say that much. I mean... Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge deal. So, we have... We have active – if they if they start a game, they make – or they get 20 points per game, right? For the Bills. Okay. Yeah, actually, that's not out of the question then. I was going to say, why don't we just like take the amount of points that they would get in a season starting and then double that. So, yeah, 300 is actually not as much. Yeah, let's go 300.
1: And then do you want to go like all pro – Um Actually, because the Pro Bowl is maybe phasing itself out. <laughs> They're talking about like maybe getting rid of the Pro Bowl. So do you want to do uh, 300 Dude, for Pro Bowl? and The like, Pro
0: Bowl is such a joke. Have you actually watched that game in years and years and years? No. I can't think of a single person that I know personally who watches that game. And yet somehow they claim that it averages like a crazy amount of viewers per year. I can't imagine that's the truth because it's awful from all like the highlights that they share and everything nobody's i mean i don't expect these millionaires to go out there out there in their off season and like rail each other like they did back in the day with sean taylor um taking out brian mormon but still man like it's just sad when these guys are basically playing seven and seven out there um but the other fact of the matter is like if josh allen or no, if Tremaine Edmonds has been voted to more Pro Bowls than Josh Allen, there's something wrong with the format. You know what I mean? Yep. There's no way in hell that that should be a possibility.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there.
0: Um. um so yeah, Pro Bowl, 300 points. I would go as far to say All Pro should be like triple that. Because the, the Pro Bowl means nothing now. Do you want to say 1,000? Let's go a thousand, okay. And that's. Do we want to make the distinction first and all, and first and second all pro? Uh,
1: Probably, all pro first selection or first team a thousand, second team like seven fifty.
0: Oh no! I was going to say, how about second team one thousand, maybe even first team more?
1: Oh boy! Well, for reference, for first team, I earned. 1100 points this season just in this season and that was with only five guys so a thousand points isn't gonna seem like a lot pretty soon because these rosters are gonna I mean this year we're gonna have 10 players each so sure sure. a thousand points is not gonna be crazy in the near future so you want to say like a thousand for first team and like 1500 or a thousand for second team 1500 for first team
0: yeah that sounds good okay all right all right.
1: So uh, in our next episode, I think um, we should maybe do a schedule prediction. Uh, training camp isn't until mid to late July, so we got some time before that's going to happen. And then I think we should probably take a peek in on the USFL and the ELF the next time around. Um, has the ELF kicked off?
0: Yeah. The ELF has not kicked off yet. Um, I'm just, I don't know, man. My USFL lust died off so quickly. Huh? I think we didn't really take into a, account how freaking weird it is to have all of the games played at one location. <laughs> That's weird. That is weird. Yeah. It's I understand setup. that like they're trying to save money and, you know, uh, Maintenance maintenance costs must be super low down in Birmingham, Alabama. But that's just a wild strategy. Yeah, How not being able like, to go and like and and connect to your fan base if you're if you're playing all your games in Alabama. Yeah, uh,
1: there is a team local to where I live, the New Jersey Generals. Not too far. I can't go see them. That's a yeah, big
0: deal. Yeah.
1: Not that they'd probably be selling out or anything like that, but. You know, it's it's tough well, to be engaged. Who knows,
0: bro. That's true. Play in Jersey and find out, you know.
1: But I I sort of, you know, I was joking when you said that. They're like, oh, who would have thought, you know, but that's how it always goes with every spring league. The XFL, same thing. I'm excited to see what it's like. I'm not watching week two. I've seen it. Saw it one time. Not watching anymore. The Alliance, same thing. USFL. It's all just a sideshow. The NFL is the real deal and it's always a constant reminder of why these leagues don't make it because they're exciting for 20 minutes and then you forget that they, they exist.
0: All besides the ELF though, right? You're talking about all this like American sideshow football leagues, right. not no, the
1: ELF. The ELF is always at the forefront of my sports brain. I yeah.
0: never forget what's going on over there. Good, good, good. What's going good. on over there by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I never forget what's going on over. What's going on over there? Um yeah, they're going to start next weekend, I believe. June June 4th, I think, Sweet. is their opening weekend. So that's pretty dope. Um, and a fun little thing, um, this dude, I think we mentioned him in the lead-up to the NFL draft, um, Marcel Debo, he played in the Elf last season. And... Um, he made their all-star team. I think he might have also been voted uh, like rookie of the year or something like that. He actually signed a contract with the Colts. So he's going to be playing in Indianapolis for the offseason with another German speaker, native German speaker, Bernard Ryman, who comes from Austria. huh. And that's kind of cool. Good for the Colts.
1: Very cool. I'm seeing here, too, that uh, your hometown Leipzig Kings are, are playing at a new stadium. See this? Yeah,
0: they better be. I didn't.
1: They're gonna that. play at no. at Bruno Planche Stadion in Leipzig, Stadion. Yeah. which has a maximum capacity of twelve thousand three hundred fans.
0: Bruno Planche. Okay. Sure about that that pronunciation, bro?
1: Do you know? No, I'm definitely butchering the crap out of it. Uh, number one, <laughs> FC Locomotive Speed. Spielbetriebs general manager. What, what did I just say? Did that sound like a local football team to you? Uh, like uh,
0: not American football, but European football. Yeah,
1: right. There's um, a team in Leipzig, the Lokomotiv Spielbetriebs. They <laughs> play at this stadium. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you go to those, the Spielbetriebs games. When you see the Spielbetriebs
0: no, i not playing the one. Haven't been to the Spielbetriebs in a long time. Spielbetrieb. Um, That's the but stadium. I have to check them out. Hopefully, yep. this stadium's closer to where I live. Damn it. It was a hike and a half going to that one game. Or huh? all the games, I mean, that I went to. Boots on the <laughs> ground all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, we had you. <laughs> we were paying yes, for your tickets. Over I was here.
0: very attentive.
1: <laughs> uh, so. We'll get into the league, the Elf. We'll do a little bit of uh, USFL. And then I think in our next episode, we should go through the schedule and do predictions about what what we think the Bills record is going to be. And we can do that with the AFC East as well.
0: Okay. Sounds good to me.
1: All right. All right. Well, thank you to our loyal listeners for tuning in. I know in the offseason, we don't put as many episodes out, but it's really cool to see the listener numbers going up. So we really appreciate it. And uh, feel free to... A respond to our the question that we put out on the account <laughs> if you've got any input. Oh, dude. By the way, I heard what? from a family member that you have a family member who's a huge fan of the show. And it made me think we got to get more people coming on to give their input. So um, I think we should consider seeing if people would like to come on and give their two cents about the bills this offseason because remember we had Thomas on last season. We could definitely have more people call Certainly. in and give their input.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, shout out uncle Rick. Rick, shout out uncle Bob. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been having some hardcore listeners hitting me up, asking certain questions, talking about some suggestions on who to have come on to the show and, and, and share their takes. So we're always down for that. We got to find a way to make it happen though. You know, um, with green room, our experimentation with green room always ending pretty poorly. We got to find some way to have.
1: And we just. I feel like we could do it right through here. We just send the link out that you and I use. Boom, they're in.
0: Yeah, I, I, wouldn't it be cool though if we could have like a call-in sort of time? You know, like like with green room, green room, it would have been perfect because we can just like see who's in the lobby, let them in for five minutes, hear That's their true. thoughts, almost like a radio show. You know yeah, what I
1: mean? Yeah, that was a cool feature
0: Maybe huh. we can try it out all future, right we'll but, play but, around yeah, with some things
1: definitely. but uh let us know i'll send out a question here and if you're somebody who thinks you'd like to give your input on one of our episodes feel free to respond <laughs> to that question and we'll see if we can find a way to make it happen that'd be fun uh, i don't
0: right. know why i just like it you're like thank you for uh make sure you check out our question like we definitely didn't talk about a question before <laughs> I, put, I,
1: I usually put one out
0: Oh good, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know about those ones, definitely. Uh, I meant for today.
1: <laughs> oh, well I'll anyway. come up with
0: something. All right. All right.
1: We'll talk to you guys next time.
0: Bye. <laughs>